Because if you really love Christmas, come on and let it show. Welcome to the Medical Dads Podcast, a parenting podcast by two dads who happen to be medical doctors. I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Stuart Harmon, a pediatric emergency room physician and father of four from Ottawa, Ontario. I want to be in the podcast. Daddy, do you know what you're doing? Can I play a game on your computer? Daddy, where's mommy? And I'm your other co-host, Dr. David Shu, a family doctor from Toronto, Ontario. Welcome aboard. All right, Dr. Harmon, Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas, Dr. Shu. Thank you, thank you. It has been a while since we've done an actual holiday episode of the Medical Dads. And this used to be one of our, right in our wheelhouse back in the day, but we've been so behind schedule that we haven't even attempted to get anything out on time. This is going to be a real change of pace for our audience. <laughs> Although the last episode that we recorded, we mentioned something about Black Friday and Christmas. And I think if we can get that episode to air by Christmas, <laughs> then, then this will fit in quite nicely as a book it. Yeah, you don't really need to like shop on Black Friday anyway. It was all a ripoff. This year was pretty disappointing, so it's not like you missed anything if you missed our Black Friday greeting. But we do understand that for our listeners, they miss the holiday tradition of me talking about a holiday and Dave saying he doesn't celebrate or care about that holiday. <laughs> Now, Christmas is a holiday that we celebrate. It's not Halloween, <laughs> right. right? But it ain't quite Chinese New Year either. It's somewhere in between that. <laughs> interesting, interesting priorities. Two red holidays for, for Dr. Shu at the top of his calendar, Chinese New Year and Christmas. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's, this is the lead up to a very busy time of year. We've got a bunch of birthdays, namely my wife's birthday, you know, rearing its is head. Is she a Christmas in, baby or like a New Year's baby? No, no, no. It's in February. But I'm just oh. saying, like, when we hit the December, January, February window, there's a whole bunch of holidays and, and birthdays for our family. So it's a busy time of year. You know, we're the keeps, same, actually. Keeps everyone, keeps everyone on their toes, <laughs> you know, during the cold winter months, for sure. My wife's birthday is in February. My birthday's in January. Then the, then the kids start in March after. So Christmas mm. does have this sort of thing of this lead up where uh, sometimes I'm looking for something I'm going to get for my wife and it's not going to arrive by Christmas. And so it's like, oh, right, you know what? <laughs> I'll order that now and then I'll have that for February. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, before we get started about the holidays, I do have to report about some of the things that is happening at home these okay, days. Okay, what's new right? in the House of Shoes? So, so what's happening these days is that we've reached this like turning point with my son where I realized he needs to grow up and do more stuff around the house oh. because he, he's being way too pampered by mom and dad. Right? <laughs> is he 13? Like, is it time for his bar mitzvah? He, no, no. And, and he's, he's seven, right? <laughs> time to man up. Seven is a rough seven. age. <laughs> seven is when your parents realize you are not a baby anymore. <laughs> we cannot continue to do this. Like, so one thing that I think I've mentioned this before, like a lot of times in the morning, I'm the one getting the people out the door, mm -hmm. into the car, drive over to the school. And the school's not that close, right? It's like a 15, 20 minute drive. And so that whole process of Get, making sure the lunches are packed, getting the breakfast eaten, getting the school uniforms on, like this whole thing, you know, there's a whole sequence to it. It's not that straightforward. I'm sure parents of little kids will know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? So gradually over time, I've had sacrificed actual parenting in exchange for efficiency, okay. right? So the whole thing is like, we have to get out there on time. We don't want to be late. In order to facilitate efficiency, 
my son has to do less and less and less, <laughs> right? It's like I took everything out of his hands, right? It's like it's like we're sailing. It's not sailing. It's like we're flying a rocket ship to the moon, yeah. right? There's no way that we can have only the three astronauts prepare everything, yeah. right? The astronauts' main job is to stay healthy, show up for the moment of the countdown, strap themselves in. They, they don't even strap themselves in, right? And then the rocket takes off, yeah. right? And once they get to the moon, the astronauts are on their own and they do stuff. But that whole prep time is done by NASA, <laughs> right? So in my house, I am NASA, <laughs> right? Like, so I'm doing every single step of the operation. This right? sounds a little bit more like when they and sent monkeys to the moon <laughs> as opposed to astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It probably does, right? And, and so like it occurred to me the other night and it's not just going to school, right? It's like even later in the day, there are times where like, you know, I, I suddenly had this realization that this dude is way too pampered, you know? And when did I have that realization? Was when he was in the shower and I prattled off to his room to, to open his drawer to, lay, to get out which underwear he's <laughs> going to be wearing, laying them on his bed so that in the spirit of efficiency, he doesn't have to think about what he has to do next. All the stuff is already made for him. All the decisions are made for him, right? And I was just like, I've become one of those parents, right? I'm, <laughs> this is completely ridiculous. It does sound like you're on a different end of the spectrum. <laughs> as opposed to the Harmon household where, uh, yeah, the kids would be overjoyed if there was even a clean pile of laundry that they could crawl through to find themselves a pair of underwear. So the funny thing is, like, we had bought him, we had bought him, like, like we had, we had switched him from, so I don't know if it's appropriate to talk about underpants, but for the sake of parenting show, I feel like this is a good topic. Yeah. We, had, we had switched him over, to, because it was on sale at Costco, we switched him over to boxer briefs. Right? Oh. So every night I lay out a set of boxer briefs. He puts it on. He goes to bed. We have a smooth bedtime. But recently I'm like, okay, you're on your own. You got to do this your own. Yeah. Right. So I actually go to his room. I'm just hanging out, reading some books. And he has to come in, pick out his own underwear. And I realize he never picks the boxer briefs. I'm like, why aren't you picking the boxer? Why aren't you picking the boxer briefs? He always goes with the briefs, oh, okay. which are a little bit small. The reason we got the boxer briefs is because they're a bit bigger. We wanted fitting underwear. Right. He's like, I don't like those. And I'm like, you never told us you didn't like it, right? He prefers the briefs. Yeah. But I'm like, because I had set it out for him, he just took it for granted. He kept wearing underwear that he doesn't like, right? Oh. Now that he has agency in the process, he actually can pick what he wants, right? So there's a lesson in there somewhere for parents, yeah. but I'll let people decipher it. Okay, well, I thought this story might end up with a thong being thrown in there as an option, but it didn't go in that direction. Uh, certain underwears you're not allowed to wear, no matter how much you like it. <laughs> no matter how comfortable right? they are. No matter how many difficult days at the office it get Dave's through, some underwear just can't be worn or at least talked about on the show. But, but it really is a thing where I feel like as parents, sometimes we get into the habit of doing stuff for our kids. And, and that starts when they're newborns, right? Like, and they're, and they're in their infancy and they're babies and we're doing all this stuff. And you always forget at some point that they actually are able to do these things. They're actually able to take agency in terms of picking what they prefer and not prefer. And we need to enable them to do those things. I feel like sometimes as parents in a busy household, you kind of get carried away with things like efficiency and, you know, getting to there on time. Yeah. Right. So, so the other day, what happened was I told my daughter, I'm like in the morning, he's got a He's got to have agency. He's going to start moving on his own. We tell him, get ready, and he has to go do it. We can't do it for him because 
as the younger brother, he's taken to relying on his sister to take care of a lot of stuff, too. It's not just me. I'm not the only guilty party here. There's actually three guilty parties, right? There's me, his sister, and there's another person who we won't name, right? But what's happening is I've packed the lunch. Then he goes up to do something, and my daughter will put all the lunches and water bottles into everyone's backpack, seal the backpack. So literally, Neil Armstrong only has to come down the <laughs> stairs, step into the boots, and then head out the door. Right? He doesn't. And I've already brought all the stuff to the car. Yeah. Like Neil doesn't have to do a thing, right? And and that's why Neil was able to live to ninety something. He's got two people with the big bowl helmet putting it on for him and putting it into place for him. <laughs> he doesn't even have to lift a finger for that. Yeah, so I told my daughter, you're not doing any of this anymore. So now we're just standing there. We're standing there looking down at the lunch bag, waiting for Neil to come downstairs from upstairs. And my daughter is like, uh, can you hurry up? Like, we're going to be late. Like, she really doesn't want to be late. Like, the reason she does all this for him before is because she's like, we got to get there on time, right. right? So I'm like, nope. Nope, we keep waiting, right? We keep waiting until there's like only like 30 seconds left and we got to still drive 20 minutes. Like if we don't leave in the next 30 seconds, we're going to be late. And I'm just trying to prove a point. So later my daughter came up to me. She's like, can we like work with him on this like at another time? Like we really cannot afford to be late. Like <laughs> this, is, this is the extended version of the old proverb. Give a man a fish, feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Except for sometimes it's really crazy down at the wharf. There's a typhoon. There's things going on. You got to get out of there. Sometimes it's just easier to give a man a fish. Or sometimes teach a man nothing and just watch him. And maybe he'll figure out how to catch his own fish. Either way, either way, that is the state of the shoe household as we're heading into the new year. Well, we'll, uh, we'll follow up on this sometime in 2024 and see, uh, did the tough love approach work? Did we turn your son into a self-sufficient <laughs> child who can get himself ready for school in the morning, get himself out of the house on time? We shall see. We shall see. Anyways. <laughs> Speaking let of us Christmas talk miracles, <laughs> let's talk about Christmas. <laughs> let us talk about Christmas. Now, now today I'm going to posit a question for you because, you know, Christmas comes with a lot of sayings. For many people, it's the happiest time of the year. It's the joyous. Is there a word for that? The most joyous time of Joyful. year joiciest maybe. <laughs> it's but it's supposed to be a positive supposed to be a positive experience right yet at the same time there's this counter narrative that runs around especially in medical circles right. which says that christmas is actually the most depressing time of year right and i've heard this many times when i was when i was training as a medical student or a resident oftentimes you get saddled with having to do call during christmas like the, the way the hospitals are set up you're either on call for Christmas or New Year's, right? And no one wants to be in the hospital on either of those days. But as a doctor or a medical trainee, you kind of end up with this job. Yeah. And they always tell you it's miserable to be in the hospital at Christmas. That's when all the heart attacks come in. Everyone comes in with a broken heart at that time of year, right? Yeah. Everyone's supposed to be with their family, but because of some falling out or illness, there is no family. So now they're sad and that triggers cardiac ischemia. And next thing you know, they're in the hospital spending it with you. And it's supposedly just a really not happy time of year, right? For many, many people. And we're not here to make light of that, except we are here to make light of that. Because the question is, is that really a thing? Or, or is that just people, you know, creating, spinning these urban legends, right? Yeah. Spinning these bogeymen to give us something else to ponder on Christmas. Well, I now, think you really hit the nail on the head with the two competing narratives, the two competing ideas. Because there's the idea mm -hmm. of Christmas spirit, that thing of... 
everybody steps a little lighter, everybody's heart's a little brighter, people are a little extra cheery. That's that's what the Christmas season is supposed to have, or at least that's what people often describe or, or believe, is right. that you know, everybody's a little nicer at, at, at Christmas. Uh, but then mm-hmm. on the other hand, there is this other story of yeah but if you look at the rate of suicides it's peaks around the uh, around the holidays so yeah. how, do, how do we how do we how do we reconcile those things is one true and the other not can they both be true i don't know if there's any true data about this right because in medicine these days you can't say anything without it being evidence-based so right. you would have to show me some data Except on the medical dads, where we don't focus on data and we focus on anecdotal life experience of Dr. Harmon, right? So Dr. Harmon is going to tell us, in his experience working in the pediatric emergency room, is Christmas actually the saddest time of the year? Uh, Well, from a pediatric emergency department point of view, I would say no, not specifically. Christmas is not actually a time of year that makes people more sad. We don't specifically see more suicides uh, in my population at Christmas time. And I mm. believe it is also a, a, a myth of the data, even in the adult world, that the suicide rate truly specifically increases at, uh, at Christmas time. But that, that's not to say that some people don't feel worse at Christmas, but this notion that the suicide rate increases, I, I would say anecdotally, that's not been my experience, but also from the evidence that also is not the, uh, there you experience. go. It's been debunked. Yeah. That's <laughs> now that those, that's one of those things that's kind of like, we've probably heard this one too, that like dentists have like a ferociously high rate of suicide. Like I think when we were going through medical training, that was an, a stat that's often bandied about in the lay press. Don't know if that's true or not. There's a lot of these kind of random ideas that people have about about certain times of year, certain professions, certain things making people sadder. Well, I feel like the issue is that Christmas is supposed to be positive, right? People, we have so much built-in expectation that it's going to be happy, that we're going to have gatherings, that everyone has to put on a smiley face, that it causes those curmudgeons out there to really try to take the counter approach, right? There's always a group of people that has to spin this, this counter narrative. And I think that's what's happened here with Christmas is that we've kind of let the, we've kind of let the naysayers take over and, and allow their version of Christmas to get publicized. Well, first of all, I will say that, uh, at least at one point in time, there actually was data collected that showed that dentists, particularly male dentists <laughs> had a higher suicide rate than the, average (laughs) so so uh christmas doesn't kill you but being a dentist may not be the best thing for your health (laughs) but i i think part of the reason people uh, buy into the idea that there's more suicides at christmas is because uh, there probably is people who feel bad people whose mood is low probably do feel worse at christmas i think Mm. that i don't think anybody's saying that that's not necessarily true Uh, and it makes Mm. sense if we already know in our world that we live in, it's been recognized that people feel worse when they look at social media and feel that everybody else is having a great time. Um, and Christmas is, a, is another one of these things where it can seem like everybody's having a great time, which can make you feel like oh, everyone's having a great time, uh, but me. <laughs> mm. you know, it, I guess that's the whole Home Alone effect, right? That was why the that old neighbor in Home Alone, right? At Christmas, his loneliness just gets amplified by the fact that there's all these hijinks happening in the house next door. (laughs) 
not exactly sure if that exactly embodies what I was saying, but yeah, but yeah, maybe that guy next door was sad because he saw the lights on in Kevin McAllister's house. He saw the scene where Kevin was trying to mimic a party that wasn't happening, so he saw the cutout of was it Michael Jordan dancing around the window, and he he thought, man, that kid next door is having such a great time. Uh, it makes me feel bad about myself, not realizing that actually that kid was fighting for his life. <laughs> I'm shocked that you actually know the full name of Kevin's character in Home Alone. That that is astounding. <laughs> well, we will at, uh, before we're finished recording this start talking about Christmas movies. But Home Alone mm. that is uh, that is p- probably a contender for the all time greatest uh, Christmas movie for sure. And yeah. uh, I mean, I've seen that movie. We we're definitely watching that on a yearly basis. It's one of my wife's favorites. So <laughs> now. Now, my problem with this whole business of this counter narrative of Christmas being the saddest time of the year is that I feel like this is one of these things that isn't naturally there that much. But because we've started talking about it, right, it's a thing that everyone kind of knows, right? You, you, sometimes you'll read about it in the newspaper. You'll see it in a magazine article. Everyone kind of has heard this counter narrative so that now it becomes an accepted thing. Right. And once it becomes an accepted thing, everyone's like, oh, yeah, here Christmas is coming. I'm not feeling great. It's going to be bad. It's going to be a rough time of year. And now we're amplifying it. Right. When really it wasn't that big of a thing. There's no data to say that this is an actual thing. But now everyone goes into Christmas. Everyone that's had, you know, some calamity happen and is thinks that they're going to be thinking about this calamity nonstop during Christmas because now we're telling them that this is normal. This is what you're supposed to be doing. Right. That's my problem. with it's it. Certainly, there's a whole frame of mind aspect to this. And naturally, if, if every day like bad stuff's happening to you or every day people are ignoring you or being mean to you, uh, then, mm. OK, that's your baseline. You're not very happy. But then if there's a day that you have in mind that's supposed to be great, then, of course, now you have the potential for a letdown. Right. And just psychologically, yeah. people are feel worse when they think something's going to happen that's good that doesn't happen yeah exactly so what we're here to do is we're here to counter that narrative we're going to provide the curmudgeon something else to think about which is very important because in all of the major christmas pop culture or literary things there's always a curmudgeon character who gets turned on to the spirit of christmas by the end of the episode right so for for the grinch for Ebenezer Scrooge, all these people, even the Home Alone neighbor, right? All these guys are real grouchy, and it's always a man. It's always like this old white bearded man who's feeling real grouchy and crotchety about Christmas. By the end of the episode, he realizes there's more to life than feeling sorry for yourself or feeling miserly, right? And we're here to provide that antidote. One second here, before we dump on Kevin McAllister's grouchy neighbor, in the movie, was that guy, did he at any point say that he doesn't like Christmas or even express that he was grouchy? Or was it that Kevin used to look out the window and see the guy and because he was an old white guy, Kevin was scared of him? He looked pretty grouchy, right? Wasn't there a whole, I, I don't watch the movie as much as you do, apparently. But isn't there this whole reunion with his family at the end thing? Like the guy was literally kind of estranged from his family. Yeah, there is some element of him being sad because his, uh, his daughter's not around, but... Uh, uh, I'm going to have to rewatch the movie to find out if the guy actually had a Ebenezer Scrooge I, change of heart. I feel like I know the movie better than you. I feel like you're only watching the movie for the jokes. And there's actually a lot more subtext going on in that movie that you don't know about. I think this speaks a lot to our two frames of mind that when I try to remember what's what's Home Alone about, I'm like, it's about this kid who 
who does these hilarious set of booby traps uh, <laughs> that comically injure these criminals. Uh, yes, Dave, what was Home Alone about? Uh, it's about this old crotchety guy who has no family, who by the end of the movie, I don't know, he kind of hears about some antics next door and it, it makes him feel a bit better about Christmas. <laughs> and he's redeemed, all right? He's redeemed. <laughs> yeah, it's right. it, so we now, can talk about we can talk about these Christmas curmudgeons, these people who like hate Christmas and then have their heart changed. Uh, and I think it ties into a little bit of not just the people who are curmudgeons, but the people who they just built Christmas up to be something. And then when it, mm. it doesn't happen, then they, then they feel down, which I think can happen to even the average person who's not necessarily sad or grouchy at Christmas per se, but you can put a lot into it with the, the presents and the getting family together and all that kind of stuff. And if you build it up too much, then certainly you could That is true. That is true. Def- and definitely when you have the family get together stuff, that can become stressful. For a lot of people, this is not an easy time of year because suddenly cr- Christmas and some of these other holidays forces intermingling, right? When the rest of the year, people are kind of keeping their boundaries up. Now you're going to have a really stressful thing with 30 people pouring into your home. And, you know, it's it, that can be a challenge, right, for a lot of people. Yeah, that that it's funny because a lot of these ideas have certainly been captured in movies. So I think movies are going to come up a lot as we uh, as we go along. But shall we start with the uh, with the the flat out curmudgeons, like the, the the people who have their reasons why they why they hate Christmas right off the bat? What are what are reasons that that those type of people exist? <laughs> I don't really know any of these people in real life, right? I sometimes meet them in in books, right, and in movies. But in real life, do we really encounter people who really despise Christmas, right? That they de- like you meet a lot of people like me who despise Halloween, right? That they, I'm not, I know for a fact at this point that I'm not the only family that turns off their lights <laughs> on Halloween and goes in the basement. But I've never heard of people saying, "Bah, bah, humbug, <laughs> Christmas!" Like I'm not, I'm not celebrating this, right? I never hear that. That that's actually a Charles Dickens thing. It's not a thing in real life. Yeah, it's almost like we're debunking a whole other myth right here. The idea that in real life there are a bunch of people who specifically it's Christmas that they that they hate. Yeah. I I think what there is is there are aspects of Christmas that drive people bonkers yeah. now. And as a result they're like frustrated by the season, right? So the obvious one is that for many people they feel Christmas has lost its true purpose, right? It's an actual religious holiday, but it's now been completely commercialized, right? And even if you're not into religion, the idea of so much crass commercialization, right, can drive you up the wall, right? So now Christmas is about got to get the gifts ready. We have until December 23rd. We got to do all the rounds, we got to do all the shopping, we got to drive around see all these people we haven't seen all year. We know they're going to gift us something, so we got to gift them back and it's just this huge stress, right? It's not even fun anymore. Yeah. And, and that group is parents, right? <laughs> Christmas parents get saddled with this task because by the time you become a parent, you're really not gifting things back and forth with other parents. You're doing this on behalf of your children, right? And just like how you lay your, under, you lay your children's underwear on the bed for them to pick, you've also bought all these presents for their friends. And the, half the time, the kids don't even know what you're up to, right? But you're in the middle of this giant game, yeah. right? You're, you're trying to preserve that everyone that gives you a gift will be given a gift and that you know everything will be sorted out under the bed by December 25th. Like That is not easy to do. And you sort of wonder, where does that come from? How do parents get themselves into this situation? If they hate it so much, then how does it start? But <laughs> I think it starts because at some point in your life, you actually are in a position to enjoy giving people stuff at Christmas because you're not crazy busy or you don't, you know, you don't have kids or you start with one kid 
And, you know, for their first or second Christmas, you don't have to get them a ton of stuff. And it's just one kid. So sometimes you're just so excited you get them a ton of stuff and you're enjoying it. Right. Uh, but then somewhere along the line, it becomes an expectation and it becomes a chore for some people. And then now you're hating it. And, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah. how do we yeah, get I, this? Yeah. And then I think it, it doesn't help that there's all this spending of money that needs to happen, right? And then you feel like you're going to walk into these malls. It's packed. There's people everywhere. Nothing's on sale, right? It's a rough time of year that way. Yeah. So I think that's one easy group to identify and to even give some advice on how do you fix it, right? Is if you're feeling stressed about Christmas, then take a step back and ask yourself, okay, it's not the fact that there's a time of year where we're all supposed to celebrate family and love, and that's what's giving me stress per se. But mm. what is it? What is about what I'm doing for Christmas this year that's making it feel like a chore or a challenge? And then you realize like, yeah, it's, it's the gifts. I'm going crazy trying to think of the perfect gift. Uh, I'm trying to track down a gift. I have to get gifts for all these people or I have to get so many gifts for the kids that they, it has to be every year has to top the last year. Mm. Then it almost goes without saying that there are strategies that you can use to mitigate that. But things like actually having a discussion early on to settle down for people, you know, for the kids, you know, their expectations of what they're going to do at Christmas. Um, it's fine to ask people specifically, hey, I want to get you something little for Christmas. What do you want? Um, you know, if, if you want to do that. And it's fine to even say, hey, we're not doing gifts for everybody. Well, it's also fine that when you, when asked that question, give a real answer. All right, <laughs> don't give the oh yeah, I don't need anything. All right, and, and that this specifically that message is going to my wife who never answers and leaves everyone in a bind. Right, just give an answer of what you would want. Right, that makes everyone's life a lot easier. It's funny. I was at the store doing a little Christmas shopping. I actually enjoy uh, the, I enjoy Christmas shopping. I just don't enjoy the fact that you're so busy with all these other things in your life that the thing that you want to relax mm. and enjoy becomes stressful because you're like, I've got one hour between this and this that I can get to a store and do something, and get back. So that that part makes it stressful. Right. So it's not the gift giving in and of itself. It's the it's the what I want gift giving and gift buying shopping to be in a world that is busy. But what I'm in the store, one of the things I'm seeing is uh, like people on their cell phone talking with a, a partner or a spouse or somebody like, while they're looking through a bin of toys being like, okay, I, I, you know, I, I, see the, I see the car with the red wheels, but uh, is that the one they want? No, the one with the green wheels. Oh, okay, I, I'll keep looking. And it, I, I just <laughs> seen that playing over and over as I look around me, all these, all these parents. And um, yeah, it's a bit of, it, it looks a little bit stressful, even just watching them do it. <laughs> but well, for all those people out there who are really down about the commercialization of Christmas and they don't like the idea of spending massive amounts of money because that's not actually the true meaning of Christmas, all of that is true, but I want people to remember this thing, is that if you're a retailer, right, if you're the backbone of the economy, <laughs> right, you need to sell stuff. And they rely on this time of year to sell stuff because Christmas says you gotta, you gotta sell stuff. You can't just go around giving people cash. Right. This is the time of year where the retailers make back, you know, all the investment that they put in for the year. If we didn't have Christmas and this massive amount of spending, our economy would slow to a crawl. Right. And for all those people out there complaining about the high prices and there's no sales. Right. If prices actually went down. Right. As an economy, that's called deflation. Right. That is what happens when the economy is on the verge of total collapse. So if you don't want to live through the Great Depression, 
then just enjoy the fact that you have some money to spend. Spend the money to keep the economy running because that's what we all need in 2023 in the world. That's how the world works, right? <laughs> if we all stay home and there are no presents, people going out of business, people with more and more hungry mouths to feed, where would we go? See, that this is what the actual thing Ebenezer Scrooge should have come <laughs> to the realization of at the end of the Christmas Carol is that we need Christmas. We need to make people spend. I love this this fresh take on the meaning of Christmas. <laughs> so the next time you're in that Walmart clawing through a pile of Turbomans trying to find the specific one that you need for your kid. That's right. Yeah, just remember, That's you're right. not what you're doing in that moment, you're not spoiling little Johnny. What you're doing is being a true patriot, holding up this country, in fact, holding up this planet. <laughs> Let's make America great again. <laughs> oh, gosh. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so that's just one example of the things that people get themselves stressed about at Christmas. But it's not just the gift giving. Even a family who's all aboard with you know having a, a simple draw names from a hat, everyone gets one gift or no gift Christmas. Uh, the other stressful things are things like ha hosting family. Right? People are coming over and you feel like you gotta mm -hmm. you're hosting. You gotta put on like an amazing Christmas spread. You're seeing Instagram photos of other people's table at Christmas and they're like, oh man, like their centerpiece, they have one and I don't. I, so that stuff can be stressful for people as well. And I think that's, uh, I think that leads to people at the end of it. Sometimes on the surface, they've done all this stuff to make a great Christmas, but inwardly they're actually feeling a little bit like, like, I hate this, <laughs> which can turn into, I hate Christmas. <laughs> now let's, let's flip it the other way though. We got to give people in the time we have left some things to look forward to, right? Other than this idea that spending money is a great thing. But what are the things that should cheer up any Christmas curmudgeon? What are the things specifically that you would recommend that they take a second look at this Christmas right. season to we're get getting, them out of their Ebenezer Scrooge-ness? Okay, we're, cause we're getting so, uh, to the other side of this equation that we put out, right? Because we sort of debunked the idea that specifically suicides increase at Christmas, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But we haven't talked about the other thing of Christmas spirit, the idea that uh, that actually it is a season where people are jollier and happier, like on the whole. Is, is that even true? Uh, now's our time to talk about that. And, and I think what we're going to say is that it is true, that people are, uh, that, that people can be happier. I think it depends on which demographic you're in, because there are definitely reasons. You mean white male over 45? No, no, no. I'm talking about specifically about children, right? For children, okay. Christmas is a great time of year. You would rarely find a child that would say to you, I hate Christmas, right? That, that I hate Christmas thing is a thing that <laughs> older white people get into, right? But, but for children, A, they have two weeks off school, right? Stuck yeah. in the middle of the year, right? And that by itself is already an amazing thing, right? Like kids love March break, right? Yeah. They love summer break. So Christmas falls right in that if for no other reason regardless of anything else they're already on a they're on a high from that then there's this the potential for having presents right presents everyone loves presents okay at the end of the day no matter how much you say you don't need stuff everyone loves presents <laughs> kids know they're going to be getting a big haul they're going to be happy about that yeah family gatherings Usually the people who complain about the family gatherings, once again, it's the parents who have to do all the work, right? The kids, they're happy to see their cousins. They're happy to see their friends. You know, it could be the one time in the year that they get to stay up late 
right? It like kids love that stuff. And it's not just one night. It's usually like several different outings, yeah. right? And between Christmas and New Year's, there's a lot of fun stuff going on, right? So I feel like for children, they have no trouble enjoying that time of year. And I think as parents and grandparents, we should actually just try to f- remind ourselves of our inner kid, right? It's deep down under that beard is that little kid who's seven years old and loved Christmas. And for some reason that got lost. We got to look at it through the lens of our children and that'll help us steer us in the right direction. That has got to be one of the most beautiful takes on Christmas that <laughs> I've ever heard. And as a pediatrician, this, uh, this almost brings a little tear to my eye. <laughs> Dave, that was, that was very poetic. I love that. I love that. It's so true. When you're feeling like all stressed up, you got to remember it's just like everything else in parenting that you're all stressed about. The reason you're doing it is because of the joy that it brings to children. Objectively speaking, mm. uh, you know, from a from a quantifiable uh, point of view, you really can't say that there is more cheer and happiness at Christmas because just if we measure the cheer, the baseline cheer of the children, it's happier at Christmas <laughs> than it is, you know, like yeah. on like October second. And they are happier than you are down, right? Yeah. So if it was like a net scale, no matter how miserable you are as a parent, your kid's happiness gets out, outweighs that. That's right. right. And we can talk about there's a time for parenting and kids learning to pick out their underwear and stuff, but Christmas is the one time that you just got to let them have fun. That's it. And that, I think, does carry forward to when you're an adult because a lot of how you, well, a lot of what drives you to do these things at Christmas, it actually is your memory of what you enjoyed or how happy you felt at Christmas as a kid, that is actually a big part of what you're, uh, of what you're trying to recreate for your children. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I think Dave's idea of connecting with your inner child is a little bit of how you get to tap in to the, the excitement, the happiness uh, of Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. The other plug I'm going to put in though, is that I think there is, it's not just something that's out of our control. It's not just that Christmas spirit just happens. I think there is a certain amount of this that we direct as human beings. So part of it is that cheer, that good cheer, that good feeling. Uh, it's incumbent upon us to help shape and direct it. And by that, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, kids are excited and happy at Christmas, but it's up to us as parents to remind them that, you know, part of what we should be incorporating into that good feeling at Christmas is uh, thinking about other people, caring about other people. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, something that I encourage people to do with kids is you know, after school ends, go to the grocery store for a trip where the purpose of the trip is just to take some food, like buy some food and put it into the uh, the food bank bin. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's great for the people at the food bank. It's great for the people who need that food. I think it also instills in the kids uh, an idea of, okay, yeah, you know, it's like my parents actually do believe in the idea of we're just giving something for nothing to somebody just to help somebody. And of mm-hmm. course, it's great to do that all year round. And that's what Ebenezer Scrooge learned at the end is try to make every day Christmas. But you know, if we start with, with Christmas, then I think that helps to make Christmas season like distinct and elevated. Not a bad thought. Not a bad thought at all. Now, now we did want to touch on this business of Christmas movies before we head out yeah. for the holiday season. Right. Yeah. And, the nice thing is that even for us as adults, a lot of us, we do have a little bit of time during Christmas. Between all the hustle bustle, after the kids go to bed, there is time to put on a few movies, you know, over the f- next few days, you know, where you're home a little bit more than you might be during a regular week, right? And there's not a ton of work piling up. 
what are our go-to Christmas movies? I guess you've already told us your family's go-to movie. That's right, Home Alone. Do you know how many Home Alone movies there are? I thought there were three. Is no, that true? No, there's there's a lot more than three. Really? I So there's two with Kevin, and then they switched characters after that, right? That's right. Some kid whose name has been forgotten uh, in the annals of time. <laughs> Even by you. That's right. Although I do remember that this kid in an interview... Uh, back in the day, somebody said to him, how does it feel to be walking in, you know, uh, Macaulay Culkin's footsteps? It's like they asked him. And he's like, well, you know, it's like uh, it's like I'm walking in his footsteps, but, you know, uh, uh, he was wearing Reeboks and I'm wearing Nikes. It's like, oh, <laughs> oh hold on. Hold on, kid. <laughs> if we're talking about like 1994 and somebody's wearing Nikes and somebody's wearing something that's not Nikes, I don't think you are the one. And then I think Macaulay Culkin was the one with the like vintage yeah. Air Jordans. Uh, not you. That, I think people have forgotten how big of a thing that movie was when it came out. Right. Because now it's just like a it's like a trope that we kind of reference when we talk about Christmas. Everyone's kind of seen it. It's always playing on some cable channel somewhere. It usually starts right? playing like in November at uh, Thanksgiving. Yeah, and it's, it's one of these movies that these 40-something-year-old parents are always trying to shove at their kids. That movie, when it came out, was like a sensation. Yeah. Right? Everyone was, every family was taking their children to the movie theater to watch this thing. Like people who regularly don't watch movies is going there to watch this thing. It was, it was huge. And it actually had a sequel where you're like, okay, the premise having a second time is completely implausible. All the coincidences <laughs> and things, things are ridiculous. And yet, from a pure entertainment point of view, Home Alone 2 is actually quite a hilarious, entertaining movie. <laughs> but yeah, so that is definitely one of the classic. I think anytime you mention Christmas movie to anyone from our generation, that movie pops into people's head for sure. Yeah, and uh, just to answer my riddle at the beginning, Dave said there were three. There are six Home Alone movies. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. Did, the, did, the, did Mr. Nike over there make it into part four, five, six? Uh, no, no. Never saw him again. Uh, he might have <laughs> gone on to have a beautiful career in some other thing, but I certainly he never showed up in another Home Alone. Uh, not that it would have mattered. <laughs> but there was Home Alone 4. There was Home Alone like Alone for the Holidays or something like Oh, no. Home Alone, the Holiday Heist. That was uh, another one. Where I think he's not even home alone. He's home alone with his like sister or something. I, I thought you were going to go down the road of there was home alone four, then there was home alone five, then there was home alone six. No, no. They started giving him, you know, there was a certain point in history where movie makers realized, uh, you know what? Uh, it'll seem like too many sequels if we call it Police Academy 7 and 8. So they're like, right, we'll just right. call it, you know, home alone, but then we'll add some kind of a subtitle. So mm. Home Sweet Home Alone, for example, came out in 2021. <laughs> See, these, these are all, I'm, I'm oblivious to the existence of all these movies. Are any of them good? Just tell us that much. Uh, good in the sort of sense of, okay, we want to watch something Christmassy. We've already committed to that, and we've already seen all the movies at the top of the list. So, hey, watch, check out Home Sweet Home Alone. That'll entertain, you know, an eight-year-old. But are mm -hmm. any of these movies even close to being on the same echelon of the original Home Alone? <laughs> no, no, unfortunately not, no. Now, Home Alone may be the Christmas movie for our generation, but there is a second movie that is a contender for the Christmas movie of our generation, but it has nothing to do with Home Alone. It has nothing to do with happy Christmas cheer, and this is the movie Die Hard, right. which which is also, people in our generation will remember, an amazing movie and often gets bandied about at this time of year. That's right. You'll see people's top 10 lists of Christmas movies of all time, and Die Hard always gets a mention on that list with a whole debate about whether it's actually a Christmas movie or, or not a Christmas movie. 
Uh, right. You know, and a lot of people who pay attention to this stuff have probably heard this before. This is not new. Anyone who listens to podcasts has probably heard this before. But for my wife, for example, when I was talking about this with her the other day, she was saying, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Um, but yeah, <laughs> Die Hard occurs at, at Christmas. Right. Which actually now, leads me to this movie that I saw the other day, which is not at the top of the list. But there's a movie called The, the Christmas Switch, I think, or the, the Family Switch. Have you hmm. heard of this? On I have Netflix. not heard of it. Just that. came out. Okay, so that could be the that could be the new recommendation. So we've we've hit you with the classic Home Alone. Then if you're in the mood for a Christmas action, it's gonna have to be Die Hard. If you want something new and fresh and maybe not that great by the sound <laughs> of it, Christmas yeah. Switch. No, it's called it's called Family Switch. It's on Netflix. The reason I bring it up is because people talk about Die Hard. Is it a Christmas movie or not? And then all people point out, well, all these things that happen at Christmas. Well, Family Switch is a movie. It's one of these. Of high concept is the right word for it, but it's a movie. It's a gimmicky movie where the parents and the kids in this family all switch bodies, uh, as mm. does the toddler and the dog, actually, for whatever reason. Um, and it, it comes about by some magical means, and they have to learn to see the world through each other's eyes and all this kind of stuff to be able to switch back to their original bodies. And it's billed as a Christmas movie, but watching it, my wife was quick to point out, Nothing about this movie is at all related to Christmas. It's a complete coincidence that any of this stuff happens at Christmas. They don't even switch bodies because of some kind of Christmas means. It's more like some planetary alignment and a, an odd gypsy lady in a van. Now, now for there is a newer movie that is recommend, and I didn't put this in our notes, so I don't think you. I want you to try to guess what movie I'm going to say. Okay. There is a newer movie that is synonymous with Christmas. This movie, when it came out was a movie that is the type of movie that a lot of guys would be like rolling their eyes and like, I don't want to watch this. It's quite cheesy. But over the last 10, 15 years, it's become a Christmas movie that everyone wants to check out. And of course, it's in the rom-com family. That's your clue. <laughs> what, is, what is the defining rom-com Christmas movie? I feel like this is a, a, a trick question because not everybody wants to watch Love Actually. <laughs> <laughs> everybody wants to watch Love Actually. When your wife tells you it's time to watch Love Actually again, you dutifully put it on for her, all right? That's what happens at Christmas. <laughs> Because if you really love Christmas, come on and let it show. <laughs> yeah, okay. So we acknowledge that love actually exists. It's a Christmas movie uh, and people watch it often. <laughs> but am I going to rank that movie above National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation? Absolutely not. Yeah. That is a movie that people got to watch at Christmas. I see, I see. Another movie that uh, uh, l listeners should check out if they've forgotten about, Scrooged. Scrooged is a great ah. Christmas movie. Okay. Yeah. Now, now there is a special thing happening this year for Christmas, right? There is a special new movie coming into movie theaters this Christmas that we have to talk about before we leave. And I have not seen this movie. I don't even think it's out yet, but it's coming very soon. Okay. It's called Silent Night. It's directed by John Woo. It is the first John Woo action movie to come, like, come out in America in 20 years. And for people who don't know who I'm talking about, they can look back at my, our old episode that we did on Hard Boiled, right? <laughs> Which is the precursor of John Wick. So this, I've seen the trailer. Look up the trailer. If this m trailer doesn't get you excited for Christmas movies, I don't know what will, right? <laughs> so the premise of the movie is that there's a guy who on Christmas, his kid gets murdered. Right oh. by killers. Okay, and he so gets it's a shot movie, in the throat. Is what you're saying. <laughs> it's an absolute family revenge movie, <laughs> right? So then, and he gets shot in the throat, so he loses the ability to speak. So for the rest of the movie, he will be silent. Hence the term "Silent Night." 
Then he circles on his calendar that next year on Christmas, he's going to revenge on these <laughs> bastards who kill his family. He spends a year training to defeat them and then comes at him with a shotgun and weapons and John Woo style artistic ballet style gunfighting to take them down on Christmas. This is going to be the greatest Christmas movie ever made, right? It's going to be kind of, I guess maybe, it's going to be up there against Die Hard. We will have to see what happens with this movie. Uh, so watch out, Die Hard, because this, this movie sounds like it ratchets up the action, but actually goes a little step further to define itself as definitely a Christmas movie. You know, Absolutely. Die Hard happened at Christmas, but it wasn't like that guy had Christmas circled on his calendar for the day that he was going to do all his stuff. Yeah, there... Very rarely do I, sh you know, turn on YouTube or something and I see a trailer and I'm just like, we have to watch this. Like, it, it, usually that only happens if, like, there's a Star Wars thing involved. This one, I was like, okay, got to get out of the house to see this. I don't think anyone else is going to want to see this with me, but got to see this movie. Oh, man. Yeah, this this sounds like a movie that if you already knew about the existence of Hard Boiled, then Dave probably isn't breaking the news to you that this movie exists. You probably already know about this. But uh, actually, I did not know. I got to go. When we're done this, I'm going to go look at the trailer for that. <laughs> well, there you go. So there you go. We are getting ready for Christmas. We got our movies lined up. We got our trailers lined up. We got our Christmas spirit lined up. I hope that we were able to bring some cheer to those curmudgeons out there. All those people, were, and you don't have to be a full-out curmudgeon. If you were at all dreading Christmas approaching with the sales, the shopping, the cooking, the gatherings, just try to remind yourself that this is actually the happiest time of the year. Uh, yeah, remember, Christmas, Christmas spirit is actually a mindset. All right? <laughs> is, it, is it a real magical thing? Hey, if you treat it that way, if you believe in your mind that, you know what, all the people around me, <laughs> have a little extra capacity to be nice and, and and I and because of that I have a little extra capacity to be nice then actually it you will create the christmas spirit it will be true um, will, so the magic actually does uh, exist because we made it the magic definitely exists it is the only time of year where it's culturally acceptable to purchase eggnog <laughs> culturally acceptable <laughs> you try buying eggnog at a different time of year and see the looks you get from your family when you bring that home. Yeah, because it's been expired for four months <laughs> if you're trying to buy it in, like, April. All right. Well, on behalf of the Medical Dads, Merry Christmas, and we will see you in the new year. Merry Christmas, everybody. Even those who don't actually celebrate it as a religious holiday. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs>